0: welcome back to another bite side i'm seamus Byrne, and this week we are as usual connecting to each other remotely but so is a lot more of the world out there (laughs) this week nick uh nice to talk to you remotely as usual but yeah look a few weeks ago when we were talking about the coronavirus. We were really sort of contextually talking about its impact on closing down a few events, not closing down society, basically.
1: We were sweet summer children back then, weren't we? We had no idea what a couple of weeks was going to bring. This happened to me a little bit. I, I said to oh. someone um, uh, two weeks ago, we talked about this topic and boy, hasn't a lot changed in two weeks and so much has changed. In the two weeks, uh, we were chatting just about the idea that video conferencing might take off uh, for a few industries. You know, I'm now working for somewhere yep. that is having serious conversations about how we transition to work from home in a broadcast environment. That's not easy.
0: Yeah, and I think that's it. You're right. This, this conversation started around that whole idea of, uh, you know, how can we better... Uh, better visit other places when we can't necessarily go there. But now it's it's not like giving us the function to visit places because it's like, well, nothing's open. So how do we now transition everything we do uh, to a kind of mode of operation that means we can do it within our own little hermetic bubbles and um <laughs> And just get on with life as best we can. And, I mean, it's, it's you know, it's kind of, right, I, in some ways I'm like I'm pleased that everyone is, you know, obviously apart from some of the crazy things happening in supermarkets, please, everybody, don't panic buy anymore. It's going to be okay. Um, but that, yeah, for the most part, I think people are reacting in a positive sense and are just trying to get on with it now and trying to work out, how do we solve these problems? Look, I think we need to make that transition into
1: understanding that for a moderate amount of time, as the Prime Minister said in a press conference um, uh, on, on Wednesday, six months. Six months is when we are looking at for a lot of these big changes. We need to transition to the idea that this is just a new normal for a while and 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 we need to yeah. just get on board with that and get it going. And it's an interesting one because I know when you and I were talking about this um, th- this topic, we, we kind of jokingly said tech's time to shine. There's a lot to unpack in that statement because we are putting a lot of requests on technology. We're going to be putting a lot of hopes on technology, and we're going to be putting a lot of pressure on technology. And it remains to be seen if technology will rise to the challenge on this one. But maybe we should talk about some of the really, really good stuff that we have been seeing. And if you don't mind me kicking off, I've had a whole bunch of mates start saying, let's get Discord channels together. Let's talk about board games we can play separately. Let's talk about how we transition all of our role-playing sessions into online if they weren't already. I've loved seeing that kind of initial big initiative What are we doing? How do we keep having those fun things that are what we really look forward to on a weekend or a weeknight or whenever we do it? How do we make sure we are not giving those up?
0: Yeah. And look, thats I think that's a really positive thing that I feel like will have long-term repercussions. And I guess with so many of these things happening right now, I think there is that important sort of part of this, which is that – a lot about the world is going to change mm. after this is over because in part we're going to learn what things that we hadn't tested out actually do work really well and what are actually some of these things that we go, no, this is not ready and therefore it needs to almost be rethought from scratch, you know. So I, I'm loving seeing exactly the same thing in some of my sort of friendship conversations. We're looking at... uh you know just starting that initial chat of going, let's mess around with the uh, what's it called, Fantasy Grounds kind of virtual tabletop software ah, that would let us yes. get back to playing some D&D again, you know. And this is friends, we haven't lived anywhere near each other for a long time, but this has kind of been that trigger to say, let's you know, let's try to embrace the fact that these tools exist because. If we can't catch up with the person two doors down the street anymore, then let's make that effort to catch up with some of our oldest friends and just hang out again in these kinds of online ways. So, yeah, there's definitely so many things going on. Like I've even seen people throwing, you know, open, almost like inviting people down the pub, you know, putting up open links to a Zoom channel and just saying, hey, whoever feels like stopping by, just... Hit that link and join us, <laughs> and have a chat, and crack your own drink, and we'll all just you know sit around. So I think there's, there's some really kind of lovely stuff that's happening in that area, and that some of these companies are also adjusting the rules in the way that their tools get used. Yeah, so some of them are like Zoom has has offered to education, uh industry, kind of free access to better versions of their tools because I think the free version has a limit of like a 40 minute meeting length. So hmm. it'll kind of cut you off after that long. So instead that they're right now saying, you know what, we're going to remove any restrictions uh, for education usage and things like that so that people can scramble to set up these kinds of tools and say, well, yeah, if we just need to leave that video link on all day, then that's something that we'll let people just get on with doing for now.
1: Look, I had a bit of a chat with one of our uh, our local legends in my town, Gillian Kilby. She runs a co-working space that's in town called The Exchange. She's won multiple awards for the work she's put together. She's an engineer by training. And we had a bit of a talk about her move into um, a, 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 a teleconference, a, a working from home kind of environment. As she said this week, she would have been in Adelaide, Melbourne, Sydney and one other town, Newcastle. All this week, they were they, they were the trips that she had planned for this week. She yeah, travels wow. a lot. And what we talked about was, and it was something you and I came up with a, a couple of weeks ago, you know, the, the, that telepresence suites used to be these ridiculously expensive kind of environments. She's Skyping people. She's using free services to get these meetings done. Yeah. That is open to us now in a way that these things weren't not that long ago.
0: Yeah. I mean, it reminds me a lot of you know, discussions around how, you know, Australia has been slower to adopt, um, you know, sort of voice services, you know, Alexa and those sorts of things. I mean, you know, America got it earlier than we did, but I think there's so many of these things that this kind of enforced usage will, I think, normalise their usage in a lot of ways so that even when we can go back to it, I think there will be a lot more circumstances where people sort of think, why don't we just do it the easy way rather than make each other come and meet for this thing? Um, so I think that's going to be a really good thing is when people stop thinking, oh, but there's a really important reason that we've always assumed is attached to needing to all come to this, you know, spot and see each other face-to-face. I mean, face-to-face is great. It is very important for no very, you know, various that. interactions. But, yeah, yeah making it easier for people sometimes, I think, is going to be really powerful.
1: Look, I think we're going to see a lot of love for a lot of technology in our world. Um, You know, I'm very glad my consoles are updated. I'm very glad that I've got some subscription gaming services to be going on with. By the same note, I'm very glad that I still have some uh, physical disc media just in case as well. Um, I think we're going to see a lot of fun stuff come out that way. And I, I think we need to look forward to that. The community building that can come from scenarios like this, again, another chat I did today from a day job, I talked to someone who in the town of Mudgee has been organising this online community just around people, they're sharing where they saw an ingredient that someone could still go and pick up they they're offering to go and do shopping for people who are less um you know able to get around and they're sharing recipes that I kind of joke they sounded like the worst of the student recipes but they're the whole like what's in my cupboard <laughs> what can I make what actually worked what didn't these people are coming together naturally to kind of help each other out and and I feel like that's been missing from a lot of the conversation I've been having. People are really worried. People are scared. It is a scary time. We're seeing a lot of that in the way we are treating each other, um, especially in what we're doing with this panic shopping, which is just horrendous. I love that we are now hitting that point where naturally we are seeing these beautiful movements of people seeking out community, even in a world where that community is physically less easy to track down.
0: Yeah, and look, I signed up for Nextdoor for the first time just ah. recently. It, so it is the, you know, social network that is focused just on people who actually are in your neighborhood. Um And, yeah, I just signed up just to kind of check it out. And this was even actually before any of this stuff started flaring up. But what's been really interesting is to see that, you know, it is not the domain of just sharing Random links that people have bumped into to kind of oh because i this is a fancy looking image, therefore it must be true that you can gargle salt <laughs> water and vinegar um, uh, to make it go away. It's like no, don't share that crap, but this is next door has been lovely seeing people um offering or you know just that. You know, if anybody needs somebody to come and check in, let me know. If you need someone to go and get you some stuff and drop it at your front door, just let me know. It's like uh, even people kind of creating these pamphlets that sort of would make it easy to like letterbox drop your neighbors and just kind of leave a message to say that you're, you know, you're healthy and willing to kind of go and help people out if they need a little bit of help. So there's so many of these. Nice kind of little gestures that, yeah, that are taking place, which is, yeah, really, really helpful. Um, and, look, even on the conferencing thing, actually, I've noticed um, I think here in Australia the arcade down in Melbourne is running a digital conference uh, as, like, a half-day uh, digital conference. You know, and clearly we've lost so many conferences, especially in the games industry in sort of recent times. Um But what was lovely was even just seeing the announcement of it was the kind of moment where you think, oh, my God, like so many people who aren't even within the Melbourne vicinity and would never have been able to go to a networking event down there and get these lessons about sort of independent games development are going to be able to tune into this thing online. And again, it's just a different beast but a lot of people are going to get value out of the fact that some of these kinds of organisations have said, let's hold something online because we can't do the kinds of things we've been doing before. Look, you mentioned uh,
1: Nextdoor, and of course, they are um, uh, doing a loneliness survey at the moment as well. I actually interviewed them. Um, I missed that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So uh, I don't know if I've got the details in front of me, unfortunately, but they're actually working across the UK, I think New Zealand and here uh, to try and have a look at what loneliness Kind of means to people yeah. in a digital world. Um, so next door are kind of doing some very interesting bits and pieces at the moment. You touched on something that I think we may well see a really big explosion in online education. Now, obviously, universities and um, you know uh, schools are staying open. I think that's fantastic. Universities are pushing to online classes a little bit more, and so are some schools as well. But I mean those kind of short course fun Udemy style online education i'm wondering if when people are at home when they've got some time to spare if we might not see a huge explosion in that
0: that's a really good point and and i do feel like actually this is sort of incumbent on and it's funny i say us but i'm again we're both kind of shifted slightly out of the day to day talking about technology stuff but You know, as people who know the online space well, I do think it's really important to start helping people actually see what's possible. You know, I think I wrote a a column sort of earlier today uh, about this issue that, um, you know, we are the best place people to help people even know what's possible because people have been taking tech for granted for a long time now in the sense that the smartphone revolution happened, it changed the world But for a lot of people, it was like, yep, they embraced everything that was kind of immediately great about those devices, but they didn't necessarily dig in any deeper and probably even reduced some of their wider exploration of things that are happening on the web, Um, again, especially in the, you know, in the Facebook era too. And so... I am seeing a lot of messages from people who are saying like, oh, God, like what am I going to do? How am I going to fill my time? Um, I'm bored already. You know, I'm genuinely seeing some of this. And it's kind of realizing that this is that moment when a lot of nerds get to kind of step <laughs> up and go, oh, my God, I can't wait to show you all these amazing things that are waiting just a few clicks away and so there might be sort of something in that for people to you know just to send to their family a list of links to the likes of udemy and to you know all these different services and even to like fun random web games you know itch.io all these kinds of places where you can find lovely amusing entertaining time killer things uh like i actually read uh, yesterday as well, that apparently uh, Nintendo Switch is about to be sold out here in Australia. Oh, yeah. um, I can believe again, that. Because people suddenly going, oh, I've never really gotten into it, but I think I might need a console at home now <laughs> to to just do something that isn't just staring at my phone, anxiously scrolling social media. And so I think there's a lot of this stuff that I'm quite keen to, I hate, writing listicles, but I feel like I'll just write a few just to point out some cool links to interesting things that people can share. Look, the other
1: thing is to be patient when we're talking about this sort of stuff. Look, it is hard enough to teach your parents or your grandparents how to use, I don't know, video conferencing via Facebook. It is hard enough to do that when you're in the same room with them. When you're trying to teach them because you are separated, it can be infuriating. Take a breath, teach them. Show us all how to do this together, and I think you will. We will benefit from it so much.
0: And actually, on that patience point, I saw a great a great uh, tweet yesterday where someone in America who said, uh, "I've just done half an hour of homeschooling of my six year old, and I now believe that we should be paying teachers <laughs> a million dollars a year." Yeah, I did see that one. As so well. like, I think there is absolutely patience is. Going to be one of the virtues of 2020 when it comes to, yeah, just knowing that we're going to have so many balls in the air, right? Yeah. I mean, already just just the anticipation and the dealing with it, um, you know, I'm in close contact with uh, the school where my kids are and, you know, they have been scrambling but working kind of really efficiently to start Testing out what are their options? You know, they they feel like there's no question that at some point the shoe will drop and they'll be told, "Yep, we're closing the schools." Yeah. Um. I do. You know, I think at first I you know joined the panic a little bit and was like, "Oh, we just need to limit everything as quickly as we can." But it it <laughs> I had the analogy then of um of at the cricket when they decide to call it off for rain that they will never go back onto the field until the conditions are better than at that moment when they when they decided to go off. And so it's, it, I think there is that feeling that they do not want, you know, if they decide to close the schools, it's like they could be closed for a really long time depending on how this plays out. And so it is really hard. And I think I saw a good description today where someone said, you know, Closing for four weeks and then just kind of opening up and then having a, a big re-triggering kind of spreading. Yep. We don't want to have to open and close and open and close and open and close. So it makes sense to delay as long as we can, but that I'm seeing that that is giving the, the educators the time to start testing things out while the students are there together to be able to kind of really explore what's going to work, what's not. Let's prepare everybody really, really well. And even to have those conversations, you know, the 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 kind of, you know, the emotional conversations with the kids to talk about sort of how this all feels at the moment, what it's like to be going through this. It's wonderful to actually see how resilient kids are. Like they're of course, they're just cracking jokes in yeah. the playground about it all and they're just rolling with it. And like, you know, is the temperature forty six degrees yet or whatever the two degrees more situation is like they're all just champing at the bit to be kicked out of school. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so look, we did hear from the Prime Minister, schools are remaining open. Even he would acknowledge that that is for the moment. We don't really know what's going to happen. You said this could be quite a while. He said six months. Now, to me, I'm that both kind of gave me the chills, but also made me feel confident that this is being taken seriously. And I think that's yeah. what we've been waiting for, is just to know that we are not in the position America's in where, you know, it's been like, oh, it's all going to be fine. Don't you worry about it. Oh, wait, we should be worried. Mm. I now feel like we have a leadership that is taking this as seriously as it needs to be. And I think that gives us a ground to stop worrying about that per se or, or worry maybe a little bit less and then concentrate on the stuff that we are going to be able to do. Um, and that might mean changing our world around a little bit, but, you know, this is what we're talking about now. Hey, one yeah. thing that kind of blew my mind, a whole bunch of museums are now working on their online cultural experiences, taking virtual tours, that and I love so that. That is good. That is really great. Symphony orchestras who are live streaming, you know, operas that will be available online to watch. This is a great time for that sort of stuff. Yeah.
0: And, look, I mean, um, this is certainly one of those things where you think, it might be that, yeah, you know, it might not be straight away, but it might be one of those things that does encourage more people to order themselves a VR headset for exactly those oh. kinds of experiences. You know, where again, for a while it'll be, you know, we all know we've got umpteen bloody TV shows and movies in our watch list <laughs> that we've never gotten around to. If, if somehow everything shut down, um, and we're just having to watch some stuff, then there's a lot there. But, People might hit that point where they think, oh, I just heard about this cool tour that you can take of some museum and it it works best if you have a VR headset because then you feel like you're in the room. Suddenly that idea of transporting ourselves somewhere else could become the kind of thing where it really does break up the, the monotony of being in your own home. So, you know, I think there's, again, so many of these kinds of elements that are going to be really, uh, I mean, interesting is the wrong word. Right? Well, it is. It's the classic proverb, isn't it? It's May like, you live times. in interesting times. Um, yes, it's like that's not necessarily a nice thing, but it will be interesting uh, to see how, how this stuff plays out. I think it is also important, though, to really address the fact that the divide looks wider than ever, you know, that when we're talking about so much of this, it is predicated on the idea that we can be connected to the internet from home. I think, you know, a big nod to, you know, Telstra Optus and Vodafone and all the gang who are all kind of saying, here, here's more data. Just, you know, we're going to try to make sure that nobody is stuck for data uh, in the wireless sense. But a big part of that is because we didn't get the MBN that we we had hoped we were going to get, but part of that means that what was considered a good enough MBN a few years ago when what we got was being rolled out was designed around the idea that people at home only really need so much internet. And suddenly we're in a situation where it's like people – now need to be able to operate their entire lives from home and those bottlenecks and congestion issues at peak time when everybody's watching TV is now going to be the kind of bottleneck people experience when they're all now trying to you know upload video or, or well do a video conference or perform those acts of being at work and i'm already seeing it sort of from colleagues who are now sort of you know because one of the main places i do contract work everybody is now home there's a whole bunch of them who are like yeah my wi-fi kind of sucks at home and and they're trying to juggle using their phone sometimes to do the important bits in between just having to deal with the fact that things can be a bit slow on their main connection Look the other thing within my area where I live, a lot of
1: people are on satellite internet. I have a regular caller he is just not that far down the road and has to use satellite internet. I've not heard from the NBN about what's going to happen for the satellite users yet,
0: yeah, and I mean there's even yeah here in the highlands there's families who you know, live on properties where they just don't have you know they have no landline connections. Uh, and that's just been that whole thing again. Well, you know, we, that's the choice we've made because we live somewhere beautiful. But, I mean, we're, you know, we're an hour and a half out of Sydney and, and like, you know, like we're, I always think of it, we're regional, we're not rural, but it's like <laughs> you you drive now, five now- minutes outside of the hub of Barrel and you are rural. <laughs> now say it in a Kath and Kim voice. We're regional, not rural. Regional, not rural. <laughs> Um, but yes, yeah, so I think there's so many of these aspects um, that are coming into play, and and they're the kind of thing I, you know, I the other day on Twitter wrote a joke script for like, imagine if Scott Morrison could have turned around and said, you know, we're we're also now directing the MBN to uncap and unmeter everybody's connections so that nobody will be stuck for internet access at home. Like that's the kind of thing that could have been a government mandate if they had built the fibre version, which wouldn't have had the same node bottlenecks and all those kinds of issues. Um, you know, the The dream version that we didn't get and we'll never know. Look, all eyes are on that
1: backbone, what it's going to do, how it's going to stand up. There's going to be, as you said, I think an unfortunate situation of a lot of haves and have-nots when it comes to that right around the country at the moment. It's going to expose a lot of weaknesses. Hopefully it will demonstrate a lot of strength in the right areas as well. One thing I did want to touch on that's maybe a little odd, I think a bit pleasant but still related to it, have you heard about what Universal are doing with some of their movies that are in the cinema right now? They're going to make them available as a premium video on-demand release. So I think one of the examples is The Invisible Man. I just saw it the other week. It's an incredible film. It's in the cinemas now. You'll also be able to watch that at home. And they are doing this very deliberately with things that are already out in the cinema, uh, I, I guess because of coronavirus.
0: Yeah. And, look, I I mean, I love it. I remember a few years ago, and a few years, oh, my God, realising it's probably a decade ago, right? Yeah. Uh, Kaleidoscope. Do you remember oh, that yes. super high-end video kind of streaming service but but again it was kind of pre-streaming it was even it was the idea of you could tell it to download you whatever movie you wanted but it was in very high resolution and it was the kinds of things that would be in cinemas but like it was so so super niche for very high-end home theater users um i think this idea is fantastic you know and, and again the kind of thing that they might go oh Well, let's just do this more now. You know, give the cinema its one or two week first opening weekend window, then having this premium priced rental option. You know, again, it's like you can't buy it yet, but if you want to invite some friends around and watch the movie together on opening, you know, within its opening window, then. Hang out. Though, of course, don't invite your friends around if you're in not isolation. just yet. No, no, not just yet. Do give it some time. But as you said, premium, yeah, it's 20 bucks idea. to rent.
1: 20 bucks to rent. It's not cheap. You know, this isn't that kind of like, oh, I'll just get it because ninety nine. They yeah. are making you pay for it. But I think it's clever. And, you know, Kaleidoscope and other similar services, it's not that long ago that they needed dedicated set tops to be able to yes. do this. Not just an internet connection.
0: Yeah. And, and to be able to know now, if you've got your, you know, great 4k, you know, HDR TV, then you're going to have a great experience watching a brand new movie. Um, Yeah. Being streamed in a really nice way. So I think it's a great idea. And again, it's a perfect time to test the theory because, (laughs) you know, it's like they are always reluctant to do this stuff when it feels like they're stealing from themselves. Whereas, this is a moment where it's like, guess what? It's it's over. Like cinemas are closing. It's a massive issue right now. Some of these, you know, yes, they're delaying some movies that were going to come out, but this is perfect where you go, here's some movies that are kind of hampered right in the middle of their release. Like I didn't get to go and see Invisible Man, totally wanted to. Here it's fantastic. It is. I hear a bunch of it was, like, shot. I think the house that is, I've heard there's, like, a house that's kind of quite a feature of it. It's over in Kayama. No, really? That's that's what I heard. I haven't verified it. Heard it on the internet, though, so it must be true. Must be true. Yeah. Must be true. Um, But, yeah, so, you know, I'm, like, totally. If that thing turned up for me to rent in the next, you know, few days, I'd be like, um, well, yeah, I did want to catch it, so why not? Why wait another three months?
1: And I think some of the other good news we need to take away is that James Cameron has had to put the Avatar sequels on hold. So there is just great news. Just I feel so good about
0: that. Oh, You know, Pandora is safe once more. Oh, God, I forgot that was the name of the planet. (laughs) Because they opened Pandora's box. Oh,
1: God, I got it. I got it. Thank you. Okay, hey, (laughs) let's move on a little bit. Yeah.
0: You wanted to give me an update on Sonos. Yes. So we did talk about it um probably a month or so ago. Mm. The The whole issue where they were telling people, you know, uh, we'll give you a discount if you want to upgrade your old system, Um, but if you upgrade it, we're going to kill your old system, literally brick the hardware and make you throw it out. Um, lots of dissent, lots of people upset. People saying, look, it's one thing to say we're – you know, these are going to be outdated, Um, let's, you know, let's offer you a discount and then let you hand me down that to somebody or whatever it might be. Um, So there was a huge fight. They thankfully did listen quite quickly and said, okay, we're going to try to make sure we come up with an alternative for the future plans. Thank you for shouting at us. (laughs) 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 They did take it in kind of quite a positive sense. And today we have learned exactly what's going on. Um, And, you know, of course, it's that classic, um, any company releasing new things, when they're not ready to release them, I think, you know, it made sense that they're like coming out first to tell people old things are going to not work as well in future. And so they've kind of gotten that ripping the Band-Aid off out of the way. And now we get to kind of have the, oh, nice things are are happening. (laughs) So for the things that aren't being outdated, there is going to be an entirely new operating system that is coming to Sonos products. So they're calling it S2, um, and it's essentially going to update everything that can be updated in the ecosystem with things like high-definition audio, and a whole new sort of app that is going to work in a whole different way, Um, all sorts of new features and new interface options uh, that the older devices just didn't have the memory space to be able to handle. So it is going to create this kind of split in the system, but based on all of those things that everybody was upset about what they're doing is maintaining what they're going to call S1 which is the sort of the old version of the ecosystem and you you know the two things will not be able to talk to each other which is one of the things they sort of said when they said we're going to find a better way to go forward but the idea will be that if you still really want to have those older speakers in your house in your home um, then you can run the two separate apps independently of each other so that those other speakers can still do their thing and then your newer speakers can do the latest and greatest things that are going to sort of keep evolving from here. But it is that whole, you know, we debated the whole thing last time that, that it's that legacy aspect of wanting to maintain old things but also wanting to move your new things into the future, how do you kind of draw the line in the sand, Um, and that audio gets treated so differently to everything else. Um, And, yeah, it's kind of nice to now see this is why it was happening, there is some really cool new ideas sort of, you know, coming next and that, that from here we can now very clearly see the pattern of, the old stuff, okay, that's going to live over there. It's not going to get updated anymore, but it's going to keep doing all the stuff that it's been able to do up until essentially the start of 2020. And then all the hardware that's been released over kind of probably the last you know three or four years, really, that's all going to be part of this sort of future rollout of cool new stuff. Look, I know how important Sonos
1: is to you, and I don't mean to sound ridiculous like that, but you've been uh, very brand loyal because you've really regarded them as doing the right thing. So I know that you you were pretty well, ticked off is probably the polite way of putting <laughs> it when you first heard this. It sounds like you found you found what they're offering now to genuinely be good.
0: Yeah. So look, and the way in which we now use those older speakers that we have in our house um, is that they are essentially the kids' bedroom music devices. And so in that sense, it's like, yep, okay, if we cannot flick a switch that turns the whole house onto party mode, which is probably the main way in which rem- keeping everything fully integrated, that's kind of one of the main things. The other is probably managing, like, alarms and different things from a the one central app for every speaker in the house. But, you know, those older speakers are mostly, you know, for a specific person in the house now. And so in that sense, it's like it's okay for us to sort of be able to kind of let that roll into the past. And that, you know, even if you have these things fully integrated into the rest of your house, you will still be able to just say, I'm not going to update the rest of my system yet. I'm just going to keep using the existing software, keep everything working together. And then, you know, maybe over the next year or so, one of those new features comes out that makes you kind of go, oh, Oh. I really want to be able to use that. Then you can, but, you know, at least people can kind of have more of that sense of, I know down the track, this is now happening. I now know clearly exactly why it's happening. And I can just make my own choices about how it goes forward from here. And that, you know, they've changed that discount program now so that it will be, you can still get the 30% discount to buy a new piece of hardware, to replace your old hardware, but they will do nothing about that old one. So if you do decide I'm going to keep it around anyway and use it for something else, then you could always do that or you could, you know, hand me down it or hand me up it to some family member and let them have a more introductory Sonos experience compared to the, you know, the latest and greatest. Which I think is really important because people forget that when you sort of say, oh, give this a go
1: and hand on some old technology, that can create the environment where that person then says, oh, I do need the latest version of this, or I would like to try more of this. I don't think companies recognize the benefit of that enough. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah, so I think it's really, really good. And like I said, you know, they haven't announced exactly what new hardware is probably coming. I think there's just a clear indication that alongside the rollout of this new software, which is going to come, I think in May. Uh, yeah, off time ahead of May or June. Um, but that there's an indication there that then we'll probably also hear about, you know, the announcement of fancy new speakers that are going to do even newer and cooler things from there going forward as well. Well,
1: I look forward to seeing what actually comes out and maybe this will be what turns me on to Sonos because at the moment <laughs> I listen to all my music from a network of way too many Google Home speakers and it doesn't necessarily sound great but, boy, it's easy to work and that's what I'm
0: looking for. Do they like do things like the stereo pairing option where if you've got two of them you can tell it to be a left and a right I channel?
1: I don't have two in the same room because I, uh, I wouldn't normally.
0: So I just yeah.
1: use it as kind of there is a speaker playing music In pretty much every room of the house at the moment. I've got a lot of them. I've got a lot of them for a three-bedroom house. I don't need as many of them.
0: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> As I have, it's actually officially getting a little weird now. Does Google kind of get confused on a regular basis that you've asked it to listen to you? No, look, it's not too
1: bad. It's okay. Siri's pretty
0: bad at that. I think I mean, what happens is, um, uh, occasionally I'll be like midway
1: between, say, bedroom and uh, kitchen, and I'll say, like, you know, oh, hey Google, turn off the lounge room light. And uh, two of them will try and answer at the same time, and I'm like, no, just one of you, just one, <laughs> just everyone, calm down, everyone, calm down. <laughs> Uh, Shall we leave it there, given that, let's be honest, next week, who knows how we're going to be recording this?
0: Yeah, yeah, you're totally right. Um, Yeah, I just wanted to quickly shout out for next week on The Scrapyard, uh, which is my show about all things Blizzard games, Uh, big deep dive on the new Hearthstone news. So they made some massive announcements today um, about what is called the Year of the Phoenix. So each year they, they announce all the sort of cool new... Um cool new stuff that's going to be happening for any given year, but often it's just you know it's just new cards and new things like that this year there's a lot of big things being overhauled um your know, ranking systems um a new uh playable class which has never happened in the history of hearthstone, so kind of lots of cool stuff, so i'm going to be catching up with a couple of other hearthstone nerd games journalists to dig deep into that one because it is very exciting for us Hearthstone nerds. And again, we have so much more time to sit around at home. And I mean, of course, I love we make that joke but it's like i'm too bloody busy thankfully i love (laughs) that i've always been a remote worker that i'm able to continue being paid to write stories for people remotely um where an awful lot of people are you know in the midst of losing work because of the way these things are going so I'm lucky, I'm thankful, and I'm thankful that I probably won't have quite as much time as I wish I would to play the new Hearthstone expansion. Hey, who knows? If coronavirus gets as bad as
1: it could, maybe I'll even take up Hearthstone again. It could come to that.
0: Yeah. Well, look, one of the big updates (laughs) is that they're making it easier for people to come back or come in for the first time. So there's even something for you, Nick. Well, I'll be listening to The Scrapyard in that case and find out everything I need to know. Excellent. So, Nick, where can people find you and catch up with you on the internets. Look, you can track me down on Twitter. It's a bit
1: of a mixed bag on Twitter at the moment, but I'm at at dr underscore Nick. That's Dr. Nick, but with an underscore in the middle. And if you want my uh, amazing collection of memes regarding COVID-19, you want to go to Facebook uh, where I'm just Nick Healy. Track me down.
0: Excellent. I'm at Seamus on Twitter. I'm just Seamus Byrne on <laughs> Facebook. Um, and where else? Uh, oh, like I'm Seamus Byrne on Instagram. You can find me there, but it's probably better you just go and follow all the cool Biteside things because yeah. that's at Biteside on Twitter, at the Bite Side on Instagram, and just slash Biteside on Facebook and email us stuff. Send us pictures of yourself in your. <laughs> hacked-together remote working arrangement, and uh, I'll post those to Instagram unless you tell me don't post this to Instagram Um, or if there's, yeah, too many revealing weird bits and pieces in the background. We Mm. don't need that either. Mm. No, we don't. But, yes, email ask at biteside.com. I think I said you can email us, went off on a tangent, didn't say the email address. Ask at (laughs) biteside.com. James Byrne, until next week. Thank you. Thanks, Nick. Take care.